Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Rip Roaring Reds podcast. I am your host, Jace. We are missing Greb tonight. Uh, Greb has been away the last few days with the family, enjoying the festivities, and and quite rightfully, I'm sure, enjoying himself with uh, an amazing smorgasbord of of German food where he is and, and enjoying Christmas markets. I myself this week have also been uh, enjoying festive foods and had a little trip to to Europe but I've managed to make it back in time for the Liverpool game so just going to be me this evening uh, reviewing our one all draw away at Anfield and then hopefully next week uh, we will have Grev back when we can recap the game against West Ham but without further ado let's get into the podcast. Okay, so without further ado, we'll get on as we always do with a rip roaring view. But it's just going to be me this evening. So only the one review. And I think I want to start this by just saying progress is progress, right? Uh, after multiple hidings that we've taken in Liverpool, in the League Cup, uh, in in the league especially is the ones that hurt, not, hurt most. Um, we have to reflect on it and say that a point away at Anfield is progress. Um I think you know. I know we 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 slipped up there last year. Um, you know, with with being uh, in the lead and and then conceding and, and taking out two or draw, it was a bit of a different game today. Um, but we we held our own and we are able to hold our own against Liverpool now. We weren't saying that two seasons ago. You know, we were being questioned whether we this year would be in a title race again. And there's no doubt that we are in a title race, and I, I think. We have the edge on Liverpool. I, I genuinely do. I think if you look at the the performance tonight, there is one vulnerability in our team, and I'll, I'll discuss that later. Um, but you know, with an exception of that one vulnerability that cost us the goal, we were very solid against Liverpool tonight. And it was more, I feel, the attack that that kind of lacked some of the creativity that meant that we didn't actually come away with the the three points. I think from a defensive perspective, you know, Saliba and Gabriel solid, and I'll talk a little bit more about those guys later. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, don't get me wrong, I want the three points, but uh, I'm happy to to move on uh, and take a point away from Anfield and move into move and focus on the next games. You know, we've got West Ham coming, we've got Fulham, we've got good points to take on the table, um, and and to have the opportunity to maybe extend our league lead at the top of the table so you know uh i'm going into into christmas not disappointed not unhappy optimistic that that we have shown improvement this season um and that we are maturing uh we are showing more tactical nafs with how we're playing you know we aren't slipping up um and and, and giving away goals and 
in in the latter minutes of games and losing games. So I generally do see a step in maturity this year, and and, and with reflection, I think um, I think we can all go into the Christmas happy with where we are at, and we're going to be top of the league again. So let's kind of move into the game. Let's talk about this. I want to start by talking about the fast start because it was a fast start. Uh, I think the first five minutes particularly, and it, it was a fast start, maybe only a short fast start, but I was very impressed with the way that we came out of the blocks. We took it to Liverpool in the first five minutes. Um, I think that for me, some of our best chances fell in the first five minutes of the game. Um, I was particularly impressed with the high press, um, the energy that we were seeing by Havertz and Jesus and Odegaard there, you know, they're, they're pressing and they're pressing well. And, and the Havertz is really coming on strong now. Like, you know, I think Grev, I'm, I hope he sent the letter. Uh, actually, you know, like, like, like kids write letters to Santa Claus. I'm pretty sure Grev's wrote a, a proper letter, ink or felt, felt tip pen or whatever it is. And uh, and wrote to Habits and apologised for for all the grief that he's he's giving him uh, on, on on the pods um, because uh, I think he is he is there now like the way in which he he fits in the system is really clear he's come on uh, all of the disbelievers uh, have gone quiet and silent and I think we all really understand his place in the team and I think that that's attributed to some of his performances in the last few games and today again he was he was he was really good and I, I think that the high press that he he's been doing and fitting in with Jesus and Odegaard is is exceptionally um credit to, to to the improvement that we're seeing with the number of goals that we've we've been scoring in recent games even though we didn't we didn't score that many or we scored one today um and and we've had some fast counters in the first five minutes as well you know Martinelli was running through um, and I think that was really, he, he was like he kind of checked out after that first five minutes, in my opinion. Um, you know, he he looked particularly progressive in the first few minutes and then that was kind of it. But, you know, that, that fast start away at Anfield, exactly what we needed to do in an intimidating atmosphere. You know, Klopp had told the fans to give their ticket to someone else if they were not prepared to, to turn up today um, because... It's just something about the Arsenal Liverpool games and at Anfield. It seemed to get Liverpool uh, all stirred stirred up and and their crowd on it. Uh, luckily, we do not have a granite jacker anymore, who's maybe going to ignite them so much. And I think today we were prepared for that intimidating atmosphere, and and we we definitely set about kind of going after it in the right way. And then within the first five minutes, also came our goal. Um, it was a, a, a lovely kind of set piece. Um, we've become very proficient in, in scoring set piece from set pieces this year. I think it was 11 that came up on the TV. We've scored goals from set pieces. So um, we're particularly strong in that space. And and I've got to say, uh, Gabrielle, really well-taken header. Really well-taken header. Um, Alisson was rooted to the spot, to the centre of his goal. There was nothing he could do. But Gabrielle did the exact thing that you need to do in that situation. You know, I've seen so many chances when that header could go straight at the keeper. Like, you know, you expect it to go in either corner and it's going straight down the middle and just into the keeper's hands. This one perfectly nestled in the right-hand side of Allison's goal. And um, he was getting nowhere near that. So uh, at that point, I was like, woof, we've started well. We've come out of the blocks. And I was, 
I had I did have really optimistic hopes for the game. I think as Liverpool kind of settled in and found their ground, I realised that it maybe wasn't going to be as uh, maybe as smooth sailing as I as I wanted it to be. But uh, you know that fast start was was a really a really good way to kick off the game at Anfield and and um, at least set our intent out for the game. So moving on, um, I now want to talk about the defensive masterclass. Yes, but not for all. Um, so let's start talking about what was really, really good in this game. You know, we've been to Anfield so many times and we've conceded two, three, four goals. Um, we've had some real hidings and, you know, Arsenal fans have been the butt of a joke many a times after going away at Anfield and it's not been nice. We've We've had many years where we've suffered here. I still don't think Klopp has ever lost against Arsenal at Anfield in a Premier League game. Um, so, you know, it shows the 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 strength that they have uh, in Anfield. is a bit of a fortress, as always, but particularly it's a, it's a hard place for Arsenal to go. But William Saliba, Gabriel, and I'm going to include Declan Rice in this, were absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant today. Um, header after header after header, clearing the ball every time. Uh, every time Liverpool kind of provided some form of attack, they were they were quite direct. Like they weren't maybe playing as many passes through channels. They were playing long balls over the top to their wingers, and then there was a lot of crosses coming into the box. And to be fair, like Sleever and Gabriel, probably the best centre back pairing in the league. And I that that kind of stuff is is easy. They can mop that up all day. You know, Arsenal can be susceptible to counter attacks, um, but these kind of things, this is their bread and butter. This is where they excel, and they were they were awesome. They could not be beaten. And I wanted to include Declan Rice in that as well because him, the amount of recoveries from him uh, was was excellent. Again, like the volume. I think um, there there was. Re- if I was just looking at the stats, um, the number of clearances, uh, particularly on the heat map, I'm not going to count them all, but particularly the numbers 41, 2 and 6 uh, were kept coming up time and time again from those three players. You know, that's Gabriel, Rice and Saliba's shirt numbers. And it was the same with interceptions for, for Deck and Saliba. Um, so, you know, clearances, interceptions and recoveries today absolutely perfect and I, I could not ask for any more in regards to their performance there um but the you know when we talk about the defense it was a superb defensive performance overall but there was one person in our defense that unfortunately was was at fault and this is going to sound a little bit like a rant. You know, we've discussed this many times before on the podcast, Grev and I. But for me now, it's over. I am I, I need to talk. refer to who I'm talking about here. I'm talking about Zimmy. I'm talking about Alex Zinchenko. Um, for me personally, as a fan watching on, um, it's over. Like, not his Arsenal career, let me be clear. I believe that he is a great cover in the middle of the park. And if we need to put him into a midfield role, he has the perfect attributes to do that. The way that he, you know, putting him in as a backup for Odegaard in the number eight 
um, role, just playing just in front of Bryce on the right side. The ball distribution is great. But defensively, he is proving, in my opinion, to make, well, he is making too many mistakes. I don't think it's my opinion. I think everyone knows it. You know, I was watching Sky today and, you know, they just kept going on and on about it. And, you know, everyone knows this. Like, not our, every every single fan who's watching Arsenal or any other team in the league knows that if you're playing Arsenal, out of all the players in the defence or all the positions within the pitch, you're going to target Zinchenko on the left side. He's the most vulnerable because he is prone to defensive errors. And and today, five big errors I counted. I'm not going to go through them all, but I, I, I kind of made I made a few notes here. And like 13 minutes, Zinni, ball comes across the box. I think it was Gabriel. Zinni comes towards Gabriel, who's, who's kind of tangling with one of the defenders. And Zinni comes to go for the header behind them. But what he's done is he's, as he's moved forwards and dropped into try to go for the ball, he's left Salah at the back post, completely wide open. And then the ball flies over Gabriel and Zinchenko and lands to Salah. Luckily for us, Salah at that point put it in the side netting. But that 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 defensive nous, that kind of it for me, that's kind of like I don't want to say Sunday league, but it's like a panicking mentality, you know. Know your position, know who you're marking, and hold hold that and trust that if the ball does come land around Gabriel's area, that he's going to do his defensive duty and get rid of it. Do not leave your man at the back post. And, and that that one was the kind of first warning sign. Then 28 minutes in, that's the goal, the Salah's goal. Um, well taken goal, but let's be honest, you know, I, I you put Tommy Yasser in that position, I do not believe he's he might score because it's Salah, but I, I believe that you're, he's having a much harder proposition. Um, first of all, Liverpool were very direct, as I already mentioned. Um, the ball over the top, straight into Salah in the, on the right side of the channel. Uh, he Zinni didn't read, in my opinion, didn't read the ball very well. I felt that he could have tried to intercept that ball uh, better as it came across to Salah. Um, the reading of that play wasn't wrong. And then when Salah did get the ball at his feet, just like Bakayo Saka, you know, kind of like you all know what he's going to do there. He's going to cut in on his left foot and he's going to pull a shot. Um, it's exactly what he did. And sometimes it's very hard to stop that. Um, we know that because we watch Bakayo Saka do it week in, week out, where he, he knocks it. And, you know, in your mind, you're like, you know, the defender could just nip that with his right foot and poke, toe poke it. Um, but it's very hard. But I was just watching the replay and, and Zinni just for me looks so lackadaisical there. Like so, you know, he, I, I, I know he can see Salah going on his left and, and going to the side of him, but I didn't see just like any ability to try and at least stick a foot out. It was just, it just, I, it wasn't enough for me. And, and, and for me, it was an easy goal. Like Salah, that's Salah's bread and butter. And it was just too easy for him. Um, and then if we just kind of move on again, in at 52 minutes, uh, he loses the ball and, and, and Salah counters uh, again in the middle of the park. He's losing the ball. 78 minutes again, he gives it away again. Uh, there were some times today when he had the ball in the park and he was just dawdling around. He, he just ran into a midfielder and lost it and then Liverpool took another counter. 
Um, he took out Odegaard again, and I think you know there was another counter, and Trent Alexander hit the Alexander Arnold hit the bar. So there's just countless errors from Zinni, and and I, I feel like I'm, as I said, it, I know this sounds like a little bit of a rant, and I know that this sounds like I'm I'm really like going on him. Like, don't get me wrong, I I can see his qualities, like in how he plays in midfield, how he controls that ball, how he's Past distribution can find uh, elements of creative play that open opportunities for us. But if that requires him to play left back to do that, that's not the solution for us. Because I genuinely believe if he hadn't made those mistakes today, the way that we've been defending, we can go any league, um, sorry, any league, any team in the league and, and, and come in with a win. Because we've been clinical and got the goal we need and then we can just shut the door. And I believe with the defensive uh, players that we have, we can do that. But if Zinni plays left back, we can't do that. Um, I, I, I would say if it, I would, I really would love us to just sort that defensive issue out first thing in January. But I know we're not going to. We're not going to go and buy a left back. Um, we've got Tommy Asu becoming fit. We've got Timber coming back, um, and that will just you know that will put Zinni on the bench. Um, so. You know, it's, we're going to just have to put up with it or show some faith in, in Jakob Kibio and, and get him on the pitch um, and give him some game time. You know, maybe I'd be playing him against West Ham um, in, in the midweek because I just think that, it. it uh, again, we know what's going to happen. So give someone else an opportunity uh, to, to have a more prolonged period at, at left-back. And I think, you know, just in general, I would have maybe even considered, I think there's some doubt on, you know, putting Jakob Kirior into the, the Lions then at Anfield was always going to be a risk. And so, you know, he didn't even come on, I noticed, in the game. We, we didn't even take Zinni off, not even at 20 minutes when I thought we might be vulnerable for an encounter. Um, so that kind of gives me an indication of, of Jakob's kind of readiness. It's just he's not... Um, but the only way he is going to be ready is if he gets minutes. So, you know, playing him at home at West Ham is probably not so much a risk. And so that's a, it's probably a good starting point um, because we know Zinni today was never going to be a match for Salah. Um, that's no disrespect to Zinni. It's just we also all know Salah. It's basically, you know, like playing, you know, if, if Saka was playing against Zinni again, I, I would you know put my money on Saka. Um, Salah has got the pace. He's going to be able to cut in. He will... He will capture any defensive flaws, any 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 potential giving away of the ball. He's going to be on you, and um, I think he was a weak link that was targeted. Um, let's move on because I feel like that was a, a a pretty you know even though we have a had a bit of a defensive masterclass, I feel like I ended up with a little bit too much of a negative. So let's move on. Um, so this is a question. Uh, I'm going to attempt to answer what I saw today, which was attack off the boil. Uh, it was a little bit today, in my opinion. Um, Martinelli was absent, I think, could not beat Canate. Um, and I think after a few failed attempts, he kind of gave up trying um, so much that the Trossard at 60 minutes was, you know, maybe a bit earlier than what when, you know, when Martinelli would usually be um, subbed. But but you know, Martinelli managed to break free in the in the first half, in the first five minutes, and move more into the middle with counters. 
but anything that required him going down the left-hand side of the of, of the pitch um, really kind of tripped him up. He was really stuck on that left-hand side. He he kept going backwards a lot, but then there were some times when he should have actually gone backwards. And he just he he clearly wanted to try and do something to try and be creative. But I mean, Canate was so big; he just couldn't he couldn't get round the guy. Um, you know, strength and size. Uh, meant that it was very, very difficult within small spaces um, for, for Martinelli to be effective. And he just had his number. And there was not really any counter-attacks where Martinelli really could be released. It was more Martinelli actually getting the ball and running from deep and opening the play up for others, which was where his strong point was today. There was nothing from him, maybe a, more of a creativeness down the left that we expect from him. Um, and it was just a very un unsuccessful time for him and 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 when Trossard came on I felt that there was a little bit of a difference mainly because there's a different style and I think that style actually suited us better um because Saka was having a much more successful uh let's say a successful uh sets of uh runs against Gomez on the left I was just looking at the stats. Uh, four unsuccessful dribbles for Martinelli in that kind of left-hand side of the pitch of Liverpool's attack. Uh, sorry, of Liverpool's defence, whereas Saka had three successful dribbles in the Liverpool half, and those again were only half chances. Um, we did struggle to generate chances today. I think, and especially in the second half, it was a bit of a dead rubber. Um, but there was one where you know Saka manages to get to get beat Joe Gomez and then he plays a ball nice long whippy fast ball through the six yard box and there was just no one on the end of it um now granted the I, I, the the team were, were still running into the box and maybe there was just not enough recognition of what he was going to do but there was no one I mean Gabby Jesus when I look at the replay he was at the far back he wasn't anywhere near the, the six yard box and then you had Havertz I think it was maybe it was Odegaard but Ultimately, it's kind of like, where's your central striker? And that was Gabby Jesus, but we know he's not that kind of player. He's not your Eddie and Katia star striker, so you're not going to have him there. If Eddie would have been on, then yeah, I think there's a possible chance. But you know, uh, at this point, it's like I we um that's when we, we've already talked about Ivan Tony. We've talked about uh, Ossiman. Uh, you know, one of these kind of strikers who's going to be not doing the work that Gabriel. Gabby Jesus does, but is actually going to be there at the moment when we need it. That's that's something I personally want to see. Um, that does, however, probably require to change how we play. Like Gabby Jesus does a tremendous, tremendous amount of hard work and effort, which um, which just other rival fans probably won't understand because they expect goals from a striker. And I think when you you look at what he's doing. Arsenal fans can see the effort, and then we need, but then we're needing to rely on goals from coming from others around the pitch. And when you have a day like today, and that's not coming, and that's not happening, the only goal you get is from a defender from across. Um, then we, or from a set piece, then we 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 are really going to be um, kind of not not getting the xG that we require and. I just think a, a different kind of striker in those situations is, is going to take us to another level. I think, and I genuinely think there is another level for for our attacking performances. So for me personally, bring on January. Let's see what happens. I'm I'm hearing uh, rumours of a Tony loan. Now I don't know 
I don't know if there's any truth to it, but it's interesting. I mean, you can see why Arsenal don't want to fork out the money now. We've already got done that with David Raya with a, probably a commitment to buy. So we know the money's there and it's on the t- table. It also gives us time to maybe have Enketia, Tony and Jesus to the end of the season. So something different, another attacking option, probably with the likelihood then that we sell Eddie at the end of the year, which is a talent that's come through our youth academy system. He, we've not bought him from anywhere. He's our product. That's you know how much we make from him is, is pure profit. He will be a 10 to 15 goals a season striker, if at any Premier League team, I believe, if he's given the game time. I think he's already got, uh, was it six maybe this year? So um, more game time, he's going to get more goals. Um, so I, I see I see that as being a viable and interesting option. I don't know if it's just a rumour true, but I it wouldn't surprise me. You know, we need to keep... Um, keep within the lines of financial fair play as well. So I can see why you know, they've been talking up you know, 80 to 100 million for Tony. So you can see why that kind of maybe a loan deal is 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 a good way to get him in. And at the same time, it's also probably of value to Brentford. Um, Brentford want to get money in for him. But at the same time, the guy hasn't played for eight months because of the bans. So by by allowing him to find his feet and his form with us allows them to kind of take not just you know the money they need but a guaranteed bank uh you know rather than risk kind of playing him for for, for six months and then leaving for a lower fee especially if he doesn't perform take a more guaranteed fee up right now up front just you don't get it till the end of the season because you're going to give him for a loan for six months so you can see the you can see the, the the deal being very beneficial for Brentford, especially because they've you know they they've had to find they've already had in theory had to move on without him because the fact that they've not been able to use him, so they've had to find other ways to perform and and, and score goals. So you can see how they might be prepared to cash in and move on, and you can see the benefit from Arsenal's perspective as well. So. Something to keep an eye on in January. It might be one of the run longing, one of the long running sagas of the window, and I'm I'm very excited to see what happens there. So, last thing I wanted to talk about VAR again, again. Um, you know, why are we not surprised? I think it's quite funny. I, I was going to looking at the topics I was going to talk about today and. And they're so similar to like one of the, <laughs> one of the last podcasts. It's like VAR. Uh, we had a moan about Sinchenko. Like these are common things that are kind of coming through. But uh, was it VAR controversy? No, maybe not controversy, but definitely again, the two there's two there's two things that happened in this game for me that I actually think VAR failed on both, in my opinion. Um, the first is is you know the Odegaard slip lost balance. Yep. He did do that, and uh, Arsenal fans are feeling very grateful. But at the same time, if I'm a Liverpool fan, or if that's happening to Arsenal in, in, in a game in the future, I am losing my metaphorical shit. Um, that that it's touched his hand; it's in the box. Rules are the rules, and um, for me, uh, I think that was a penalty all day long. If I'm a Liverpool fan, there. I am very, very um, upset with that decision. Uh, 
and at the moment in time when that happened, I thought, oh, finally, VAR is is being uh, is being kind to us, um, and and we're getting some luck from it. But I think the reality is, on the other hand, these things always even themselves out as well. And for me, I generally think on the 80, 81 minutes, the the, the, the oh, I calling it a foul, but it wasn't called a foul. I say they're given a penalty, but um, the challenge on on habits for me, that's a clear penalty. Uh, the ball was in front of habits. Um, now they may, I think the argument may be that he doesn't maybe have full control of the ball. Mm, I don't think they're in a. I don't think in that place you can you can necessarily judge. The main thing that I saw was a ball in front of habits, a challenge coming kind of from the side slash behind habits that clearly takes him to the floor, and at that point. Has the has the Liverpool player touched or won the ball in any way? No, they haven't. And it's as simple as that. There was no uh, commitment to make a play of the ball. They have taken habits out from uh, habits, and they've taken his legs out from underneath him, and he's fallen to the floor in the penalty area. It's a foul. It's a penalty. I've seen much softer, more ridiculous chances. Uh, under the rules of VAR, be given as a penalty. So for that, not I was at that point. I mean, yep, yeah, I think guess things even themselves out. But I was again screaming at the television. I was very unhappy with that. I just, you know, I just think it's unjust. Um, and I don't, I don't know what Liverpool's um, experience has been with VAR in the last season. I've not watched them close enough, um, but I know Arsenal fans feel very unjust with the VAR system, you know, the stuff at Newcastle and, and there's been a number of other games before that, you know, I, I just feel that it still doesn't always go our way. I thought it was at the beginning of the game, but when it comes to actually our attacking uh, opportunities, uh, VAR never seems to go away and and um, it's getting very, very frustrating. Again, Aston Villa as well, another VAR decision. So, and the other thing for me with the um, habits one was there was no even like they were, I, I was like are they checking this? Is is there is the ref going to be told? Are they going to say check over, check finished? Like there was nothing. I didn't hear anything about it, and um, it just left a sour taste in my mouth. Really, um, but it is what it is, and we move on. We move on. So that kind of wraps it up, really, for the Liverpool game. Um, I'm gonna just go into the into the parking lot now. Um, you know, a few. I've just firstly say a few a few people were saying a bad day for us. I disagree. Uh, Man United lost today. Villa drew last night against Sheffield United. We're on top of the table at Christmas. I, I don't think there's anything really we can complain about too much. Liverpool drew as well, obviously as a result, so they haven't gained any ground on us. Yeah, City um, in particular were. Uh, winning the World Club Cup, and so in theory they have a game in hand. So that's something that we have to be conscious of. But at the same time, uh, we've played Liverpool this week, and that's a game where you might drop points. Uh, City were meant to be playing Brentford, so um, different kind of game. And, and, and City have still got we've still got to play City again. I'm sure. I think they've probably got to still play Liverpool again. So. Um, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think that really is too much of an argument. You know, I think the league over the course of a season will even itself out. And um, I think as long as we continue the level of performance that we're putting in every week, I'm I'm still feeling very confident about the title challenge. You know, we've only lost two games 
the Villa game was just, you know, we've already talked about it. It's still one that sits raw of me because they had one chance, good one or two good chances, and, and they scored one of the goals from that. Apart from that, we absolutely dominated that game, and how we didn't even come away with a draw, let alone a win, was was beyond me. The Newcastle game again was a nothing game, nothing game, and the goal, in my opinion, shouldn't have stood. So, uh, I think what Arteta has been saying around consistency, if the level of performance stays consistent as it is in regards to the numbers, the statistics, the control of the games, you know, and our defensive qualities that we've been showing, you know, we've got the best defense in the league and, 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 and that's, there's a reason for that. I think we will, we will win out this year. Uh, We are not going to be touch some metaphorical word be making those same mistakes that we made at the end of last season I think that's something that he's nipped in the bud very early which is why we've seen that change in style of play so I'm feeling good about today I don't think it was a bad day for us I think it was a good way to finish off before Christmas if you can't have a win then this is the next best thing still stay top Liverpool don't gain ground on you um moving forwards obviously for Thursday, uh, we have a late kickoff, a very late kickoff on Thursday. I've actually been offered a ticket, which I've taken um, by my friend who's a season ticket holder. I can't make it. I didn't win in the ballot, um, but I am going to go. But it's an incredibly late one, eight, quarter past eight. Um, so uh, it's going to be a late finish and a late drive home for me. But I'm looking forward to it. Always love a Christmas game. West Ham at home. Uh, in regards to changes, I've already mentioned I want to see Zinni off for Kivior. I'd like to give Kivior a chance, an opportunity. I think he needs to get some minutes on, under the belt and build up that confidence. Because if not, he might as well just leave. And I've seen a lot of rumours about AC Milan wanting him, Napoli wanting him. And I didn't think too much to those rumours. I thought, well, no, that's not going to happen. We only signed him yesterday a year ago. So I don't see I don't see how that really is uh, something of merit. But the, more I, the less I game time I see him getting, and knowing he probably wants to be a starter, it's kind of like that might be, you know, he's been here a year. They've decided that we can make some profit on him. We'll sell him, move on quickly, and maybe we'll bring someone else in. That might be the case. Um, and I think we need to make that decision pretty quickly. Either start giving him some game time, allow him to get minutes under the belt. He's been here a year now. Or or, or say, yep, yeah, well, we could brought him in. He wasn't quite good enough and, and we'll sell him. So... That's my thinking around left back. The other thing we need to consider, Havertz got um, a yellow card today. It was his fifth of the season. So that's a one-game suspension for West Ham. Just to add that, I didn't actually bring that up when talking about the Liverpool game, but that was a nothing challenge. Like I know that the ref had just given a yellow for a counter-attack the other way to Liverpool, but this wasn't the same as a counter-attack in the opposite direction. It was two players tussling for the ball and the Liverpool player fell to the ground. Yeah, if I, you might want to give a foul, fine, but it wasn't a yellow. Nowhere near was that a yellow. Um, but and it's annoying because Havertz is in form, he's playing really, really well, he's assisting, he's scoring. So yeah, that's a big loss for, for for West Ham. Um, so we need to see who's gonna come into that number eight position. I think we could put oh sorry, not number into the number eight, it would be into the I guess into the kind of what is our number ten slot of a left eight, I guess. Um couple of options. We've got Leo. Uh, I think he's played there a few times now. He's played really, really well. If I'm honest, actually, I'd rather start Martinelli on the bench and give, put Leo on the left. Um, I think that would be a change that's maybe needed. Um, Martinelli needs a little bit of a rest. He looked particularly tired today and not at his best. But um, 
so Leo could start there. Uh, the other options, maybe Emil Smith-Rowe. I know he's back on the bench now. Um, those are kind of really the two options. I mean, you could put Rice up in there and, and start Jorginho in the midfield. That's another option. That's another way it could go. Uh, I guess I'm quite comfortable which way Arteta decides to go on this. Um, I think if it's Smith-Rowe, he, he's got something to prove. I think if it's Leo, he's a capable pair of hands. He's already proven it in that position. And Rice with Jorginho. It's only West Ham, so I think that um, it means we'd probably be a slightly more defensive and attacking, but it would be a solid midfield then, so that doesn't concern me. But So it'll be interesting to see what Arteta does uh, there uh, um, and whether maybe he actually, rather than playing a, a single pivot, plays a double pivot, maybe he changes the formation around or maybe he just pushes Rice up. Um, but the thing we also need to be, I think, considerate of is, is West Ham will be flying. Um, I think beating United away, um, they're probably going to have uh, uh, tails up a little bit. Um, however, they have played United and Liverpool in the last few days. Obviously, both teams have a bit of a rest now till Thursday, which is good. Um, but uh, I, I think we're at home, so I might be eating my words, but usually we have the better at West Ham at home. Usually, uh, you know, a 3-0 or a 3-1 kind of result usually is the kind of way that we go. Um, and, and so I'm hoping to see more. I'd be a bit more worried if we were going away to the Olympic Stadium. That at times can be a tricky ground for us, I think, in, in recent years. We've not always been our best there. The League Cup this year was a perfect example of that. But at home, um, hopefully we don't have any problems putting the sword to them. And I think it was actually, if I remember rightly, uh, we, um, me and Grev and 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 uh, some of our other friends and my family, we went to a we went to the West Ham game at Christmas. I think it was Boxing Day uh, last year, uh, where where we comfortably won. I think that might have been three one or three 0 and I believe that that was the day that I, I truly believe that was the day when, when Depp knew he was coming to Arsenal. Um, and so I, for me, I think if we can put a similar performance like that in, um, I'll, I'll be a very, very happy, happy Christmas present. So they yeah, that, 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 that rounds it up really for today. Um, as you say, one all draw Liverpool top of the league for the Christmas periods. Um, before I go, uh, I'd like to remind you to give a like, subscribe and leave a comment on our YouTube channel uh, if you've enjoyed this in this podcast. And again, leave a five star uh, rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts from. Finally, um, I'd just like to wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas, uh, whatever you're doing. I hope you eat lots of food, have lovely time with your loved ones and uh, get lots of nice presents. And uh, hopefully Grev and I will be back the later in the week, uh, probably Friday uh, after the West Ham game, where we will recap that game and talk about maybe some transfer, more transfer rumours as the transfer window starts to open in the new year. But for now, cheers all. Take care and enjoy your Christmas. Come on, you